ministry of Pastor Jay Everly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. I want to get into something that we've been sharing on and continue with it. Praise God. One of the things I've learned about sticking with a subject is that the more we continue in it, the more people get it. And that's not a criticism. I'm the same way. We're all the same way. We, we have to continue in a truth before it gets on the inside of us. And there's times God will take us through a truth and, and it will get it into us in a degree. And then, you know, months or years might pass and he'll take it through us or take us through it again. And we'll get a hold of it more and deeper. And that's the way it, the truth of God's word is. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. Praise the Lord. So we're going to go back through some things again. Hallelujah. I want to go, if you brought your Bible this morning, over to uh, the, the book of, uh, let's see, my goodness, there's so many places to start. Let's go over to the book of Genesis, the 22nd chapter, and uh, we're going to start reading in again on this story about where God is revealed in the Word as Jehovah Jireh. Amen. How many of you have God as your Jehovah Jireh? He's, he's Jehovah Rapha to you. He's your righteousness, he's, your, he's everything you need, but He is Jehovah Jireh, the God of more than enough. Amen. In Genesis 22, Abraham was told that, or directed by God to take his son Isaac to the particular mountain that God was going to show him and offer him as a sacrifice. God's not in the child sacrifices, but because uh, he, he, he stopped him, you know. But he wanted to test him, he wanted to see if he would obey. And Abraham, of course, did pass the test. And, but the story goes on that uh, God, Abraham was in faith. He knew he wasn't taking his son away from him. God wasn't taking Isaac from him because God had given him Isaac. And that was the promised seed, you know. So Abraham in the New Testament, it says he, had, he believed that God would raise him from the dead even if he told him to go through with it. Well, he didn't tell him to go through with it. But um, he's, he, Abraham was in faith ahead of time because the son, Isaac, asked, you know, we have the wood here and the burnt offerings. And... Uh, uh, in verse 7, he said, but uh, where is the uh, sacrifice, the burnt offering? And Abraham said in verse 8, God will provide himself a lamb. God will provide. God will provide. That's a good confession right there. God will provide. And you know the story, whenever the angel stopped uh, Abraham from, from thrusting that knife into his son, the Bible says that he looked around and there was a ram caught in the thicket. Amen. And that's what, uh, notice it says here in verse number 13, he lifted up his eyes and looked. There was, behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And, the, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering to, instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And that's where we get the uh, revelation of God being the God who sees ahead and provides. He's the God who is already supplied before we have the need. Amen. Have you been learning anything out of this series? We've been just sticking with it. I'm, I'm getting blessed. I just want to keep on going with it because I'm, I'm seeing more and more truth. But uh, we find here that God is, has always been that way. We've shared this for a couple of services, three or four. Maybe this is the fourth or fifth service here. And... Uh, where God is that way throughout the whole Bible, it's not just one case here. We find that God prepared a fish for Jonah before he even knew he needed a fish, you know, to, to uh, spew him up on the land after he swallowed him, you know. And we find God's just that way. In fact, the Bible tells us that uh, if we don't provide for our own family, we're worse than an infidel. 
In other words, we should be taking care of seeing needs, you know, and making sure we're taking care of those needs for our family. Remember, that's what the Bible said. And the word provide means to, to make plans and, and foresight ahead of time. So in other words, he's telling us, you need to be like me. I'm like, like this. I provide ahead of time. Hallelujah. Well, sometimes we believe and we take our stand and it doesn't show up too far ahead of time, but we walk by faith. It'll be there on time. <laughs> Hallelujah. So much we could get into, but you know the story the Bible talks about in the uh, book of uh, Genesis, back when God created Adam. He made the whole creation, put everything in the earth that he would need forever, that his whole existence here, and then he put man in it and said, I made this whole planet for you, Adam. It's all for you. Take dominion over it all. In other words, he provided for the man before he even put the man there. Isn't that right? And then God is ahead of us. He's already prepared a place for us in heaven when we, get, we go to heaven. Jesus went ahead of us and prepared a place for us. Can you say amen? And you see that all through the Old Testament. God prepared a place for the Old Testament saints called Canaan's Lamb. And uh, all through the Bible, it's just that way. God has a particular place. One thing I wanted to get into and didn't get into because I got unctioned on something else this morning was there's actually, uh, all through the Bible, there's, there's, there's actually, you can believe for a, a place, your, your own house, your own house, place to live for your family. There's a special place God has in mind for you that will bless you and take care of your needs. Hallelujah. And the Bible talks about it in Psalm 112. Uh, wealth and riches will be in his house, and he'll provide all these things. Uh, and there's just, there's just, God has, God is so much a father that he wants to take care of all the details of your life, and he wants to take care of it in a way that you like. How many of you know it wouldn't be completely heaven if you like a certain thing in a house, but you go to heaven and it's all different than that? You know, maybe you like the uh, uh, Western-style decor and stuff like that, but you get into your mansion and it's all those straight-line furniture pieces, that the new modern stuff, you know, that is so popular nowadays. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, if you know Jesus, it would make heaven heaven, but everything there is going to make heaven heaven. It's just going to be what you like. And that's the way God is. He has a supply for things that you like. Hallelujah. I've had people give me ties at times. I knew it wasn't God. <laughs> Amen. I'm moving right along. <laughs> How many of you know there's certain things you like? And it makes it such a blessing whenever that's what is given to you. And that's the way your father is. But anyway, um, I want to get into some keys this morning because if you want to get back to you listen to all the teaching we've already done, all those CDs are available. But uh, I want to get into some keys this morning that will help us, to you and I, to work together with Jehovah Jireh and, and work with him that the future be prepared for, for us before we even get there. How many of you would like to learn some practical things along this line? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, um, in the New Testament, we, we see, let's back up to the Old Testament. He's Jehovah Jireh in the Old Testament. He's El Shaddai in the Old Testament. That means the God who's all sufficient. Even if there's not sufficient in the natural, he'll, he'll bring it into it by the power of the supernatural. Amen. And so, but we come over to the New Testament, and there's further revelation of our God. He's Jehovah Jireh, of course. He's still El Shaddai, of course. But in the New Testament, he's Father. Abba, Father. Hallelujah. 
And so we see that's progressive revelation. The Father reveals uh, himself to us further in the New Testament. And if we understand redemption, we understand that as a son or as a child of God, we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So all is ours. We've inherited everything he has. Let's go over to the book of uh, Psalm and look at the 113, well, let's see here. I believe it's 115th chapter. I could really take another six, seven, eight weeks on this subject. I think it would help us if we did. We'll just see. But uh, go to Psalm 115, and let's notice what it says in, uh, starting in verse number uh, 12. Psalm 115, verse number 12. He said, The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. Of course, this is an Old Testament verse, talking about the Old Testament people. But uh, it's true about us in the New Testament. He will bless the house of Israel. He'll bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. That means it doesn't matter, you know, how well-known you are, how important you are in the body of Christ, or how unimportant you think you are. God's blessing is on you. Lord, verse 14, the Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Hallelujah. I believe in increase. God is called the God of increase in the New Testament. He'll increase you more and more. Well, I've been walking down that road of increase for a number of years now, and I'm, in, I'm, over, I'm over, I got past there in verse number, uh, the Lord shall increase you more and then, and more. I've gotten past more, and I've gotten over into that and more. Hallelujah. On top of the more, I got and more. But I woke up this morning, and it still says more and more. So the Lord's not done increasing me yet. <laughs> more and more and more and more and more and more and more. Hallelujah. That's just the way God is. He takes us from glory to glory and faith to faith. And, and you know, all these things just keep on going, keep on moving. So he will increase you more and more, you and your children. That's a good confession. You are blessed of the Lord which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. Notice that. Amen. Now, go back to Psalm 50. You might want to hold your finger there. But go back to Psalm 50. Well, let's go back to Psalm 24, actually. Then we'll come to Psalm 50. Like I said, we could spend six, seven more weeks on this. Maybe we will. We'll just see. Look at verse uh, 20. Uh, this is Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. What does that fullness thereof mean? Well, that means everything in it. Praise God. Now notice, the world and they that dwell therein. That's the people, the inhabitants. Praise God. So God's, the people belong to God. Even if they're not saved, they belong to God. Doesn't mean they're saved. Doesn't mean they're going to go to heaven. But they belong to God. Jesus paid for them. Amen. They're purchased. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. So the earth, the planet is the Lord's and the fullness thereof as well as the inhabitants thereof. So now come over to the 50th chapter. Notice it's, it's, it's the Lord's. But uh, we're in the 50th chapter now. Let's start reading in verse uh, 10. Every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. Like the old, the old farmer said, the cattle of a thousand hills are God's, and the taters under them. 
That's what he's saying. Everything belongs to God. The earth, the beast of the forest, that verse number 10, every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountain and the, the, the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell, you, tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Praise God. The world is mine and the fullness thereof. Well, God made it. I mean, if he made it, it's his. Right? But now you come over to the 15, 115th chapter where we were. I uh, had you turn away from it. might have marked it there. But notice he said in verse number 15, You are blessed of the Lord which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. Now, God, God made the planet, which includes every, every resource here, all the oil, the gold, and the diamonds, and, the, and the, you know, all the, everything that we have, everything that we see is made out of the earth carpet and chairs and houses and everything, cars, everything. It's all made out of the earth. And he said that, that God made that. It belongs to him, but he really gave it to men. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But then he said he gave it to the children of men. Hallelujah. Well, we know from the book of Genesis that when God created man, he put man in it. And then he said, have dominion over it. Isn't that right? Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28, down and through there. You have dominion over all of it. Well, we know then Adam lost the, uh, the, uh, lost the dominion because he sold out to Satan. Isn't that right? But what we find, though, is Jesus redeemed us back to what we lost. Amen. What was lost was regained through redemption. So we have the planet back. Remember, we looked on Wednesday night. If you weren't here Wednesday night, get the CD of Wednesday night. Uh, we looked at where Adam, I mean, excuse me, Abraham actually inherited the planet. The book of Romans says so. And so we as covenant people, we have the earth back. We have the inheritance of the earth back. Now, it also, Jesus also gave us the authority over the earth back. Amen. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So as we came into Christ, we inherited everything God has. Remember Jesus in John 14, John 16, several places. He said, all that the Father hath is mine. Therefore, I said, he'll take a mine and show it unto you. Declare, disclose, and, disclose and transmit it unto you. Praise Amen. God. Woo. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we got the planet back. We got the authority over what belongs to us in the planet back. Isn't that right? Amen. You know what inheritance means? Daddy has it, so it's mine. That's what inheritance means. <laughs> How many of you ever got an inheritance from one of your grandparents or your parents that went on or someone? I mean, that means that's yours. You got it. Isn't that right? That's what it means to have a father. That means to have an inheritance. Daddy has it and you got it. We won. Me and Daddy, we're one. If he has it, it's mine. That's right. Some of you need to get happier about that. Praise God. So God made this planet because he, he, he wanted to supply for his man. He wanted to take care of man. So he put man down here and in the middle of this luxury place. Praise God. <clears throat> the word Eden means delight. You can put him in the garden of delight. Put him in the garden of luxury. It means to luxuriate, to delight and luxuriate. Praise God. So he put him down here in a place of delight, in a place of luxury. Well, Adam lost that, but Jesus redeemed us back. Back to what? Back to the way it originally was under creation. Where uh, all the provision and the care is back in our hands. Everything's prepared ahead of time. Amen. A full supply. Everything we need in life. 
a place where we have everything we need. Hallelujah. But he not only gave us back the inheritance, he gave us back the authority over it. Because like it was in the garden, God gave Adam authority over the uh, inheritance, what, what he gave him. Because he knew that life wouldn't be the way it should be to just give him the earth. Because Satan would seek to hinder it from coming whenever he needed something. Amen. So he gave him authority, which was also part of the foresight and the, pre, the provision ahead of time. He gave him the authority over it before Adam even realized Satan was going to try to hinder it. God thought of everything. Now, today we have the same. We have the earth back. We have the authority over it. You say the whole thing? Well, your portion of it. Well, that's the problem. There's not enough to go around. Well, see, that's, you've been listening to the news. I know now who you've been listening to. The statistics say it's already enough, just what's been resourced out of the earth, not what's still in the earth. I bet we haven't found 10% of it, all the, all the oil and all the gold and everything. But uh, already what's been gotten out of it, they say it's enough for everybody to be a multi-billionaire. Well, then you can't say you're taking from anybody else then if you don't have your billions. I mean, if you have your billions, you're not taking from somebody else. Theirs is still out there too. You didn't get theirs. See, I get some funny looks when I say things like that. Well, we just need to renew our mind. <clears throat> you know, back in the, uh, what was it, the 70s, and there was a shortage of fuel and shortage of all kinds of things. Everybody was saying that the earth was running out of resources. That's a bunch of baloney. They've been listening to the wrong spirit. They've been listening to the poverty spirit. Hallelujah. Um, just when it comes to oil, they say there's enough oil right here in the United States. To last us for, I think they said 70 or 100 years, something like that. Just, to fun, just for what we need. You know what it is? It's all a political thing. Trying to keep us from tapping. It's, a, it's the spirit of poverty is what it really is. Because there's a little worm out there, you know. We don't want to. Well, see, we don't worship the worm. Amen. Hollywood's got it all messed up. They're worshiping the creation more than the creator. Now, I could shuck the corn right here right now. Amen. It's really twisted. Really twisted. They talk about Mother Earth and all of that. No, not Mother Earth. He put it here for us to enjoy. Amen. I'm not, a, I'm not a po uh, proposing abusing it or anything. Take take care of it. But, but, I mean, you know, people are really whacked out anyway. I'll just stay off of that. I'll get in real big trouble. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. So God put it here for man and put it here for all the resources are already here. So, but what God wants us to learn to do is learn to take authority over the part that belongs to us. Amen. If the natural realm doesn't have it, he'll get, he'll make sure and provide it. Now, um, we know that, uh, go over now, if you would, over to the, uh, let me give you these five keys, and we're going we're gonna to spend more time on one of them uh, than we do on, uh, or maybe two of them, depending on how much time we get here today, but uh, than we are some of the other ones. But what you need to recognize is what we've been teaching up until this point is God's side, his, the grace side, the provision side, His love to take care of His side. But everything in, in God is by grace through faith. 
So man has a side also because faith is man's side. Grace is God's side. And so up to this point, what we've been teaching is uh, His grace. But if we don't think about this on the other side, amen, none of this is going to manifest in our life sovereignly. You don't understand that, uh, then you don't understand redemption. Because redemption gave you your, th- your, uh, your uh, sovereign, because Adam really had authority over the earth, the Bible says. And so redemption gave that back. God wants us <clears throat> to be in authority down here. Submitting ourselves to Him as the head of the church, you understand. But yet, right on the other hand, He gave us the authority over it because that's what redemption gave us. So really all of this is waiting on us to exercise authority over it. There's people that I'm looking at, right, right, God wants to move you into business, which gives you authority over greater amounts of resources. Well, you're learning, you're progressing, you're learning to, to progress in faith and learning to exercise, you know, dominion over more. Amen. Hallelujah. So, um, we need to teach our side as well as God's side. We've been teaching God's side. The teaching of supply is the grace side. But the teaching of faith and exercising authority is man's side. Because all, all this that God's provided is activated by faith. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're going to get into that this morning. And now, you remember we said back in Psalm 77 how that God brought the children of Israel. This is Psalm 77, 19 and 20, if you've been in these, these teachings. Um, we talked about how God brought the children of Israel up to uh, the edge of the Red Sea. And His path went through the sea. You remember that? But they couldn't see that. They, God brought them up to his, for, his previous provision that he had made. And remember we talked about how on the Discovery Channel they discovered that place and found out that an ancient river had pushed sand out there for centuries. And it formed a sandbar and they could walk across on that. All the other places in the Red Sea was real deep and you couldn't walk across. But God had ahead of time prepared that for them. He brought them up to a place they couldn't see where the provision was. Um, but what we said was... Uh, God led them into their provision. But you remember we read over there in the book of Exodus. You can just write this down. We found that in the book of Exodus it said in the uh, 14th chapter, the 15th and 16th verses, that when they got to the Red Sea, God said, what are you talking? Because Moses was crying unto God. Oh, God, we got Egyptians behind us and mountains beside us and the Red Sea in front. We can't go anywhere. We're trapped. And God said, what are you complaining to me for? He said, "Uh, move forward. Stretch out your rod. That rod stood for the authority. In other words, they were brought into supply, but man still had to exercise his authority over it. Man still had to speak to it. Man still had to extend his authority over it. If you read about Moses' rod, it stands for authority. There are a few times it talks about his his rod, and it, it, it means authority. Praise God. So it was the authority of God in man's hands. It was a type of that. And so man had to exercise his authority over what was right there in front of him, ready to be received. Another situation was in Genesis, whenever God created Adam, he gave him all the earth, but then he said he gave him dominion over it. So God knew that with with all the supply, that's not going to be enough unless man is given dominion over the supply. You there? You're going home. So the dominion was as much as God's provision ahead of time as was all the earth. We got to get a hold of that. Everybody say out loud, God gave him dominion dominion 
was which, which was also, which was also God, pre- planning God planning ahead of time and giving man everything he would need. Isn't that right? So you have the authority in your hand because now of the resurrection of Jesus. And he said, all authority, Jesus rose from the dead and said, all authority is given unto me. You go, therefore. He immediately delegated that authority over to man. And then he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I give you authority to tread on serpents and on scorpions. And over, notice, all the authority. King James says power, but it's the authority of the enemy. I give you authority over all his power and all his authority. Well, would all of it be all of it or would it be part of it? Okay, let's think about which part. There's many different parts. But which part are we talking about this morning? Over the wealth. Do you remember whenever Jesus was tempted in Luke 4, the devil came and tempted him? Remember those 40 days? But then there was three that the Bible mentions at the end that it that we know, have record of what the temptations were. You know, turn these stones into bread, so forth. Cast yourself off the pinnacle of the temple and all these things. But then one of them was, uh, you know, took him up on a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the earth. Hallelujah. Let's go over to that in Luke 4. Hallelujah. Like I said, we ought to take six, seven more weeks on this. We just work with it, work with it, work with it. We'll just see what the Lord leads, but I'm just, I'm just saying there's so much more we need, to, we need to learn here. Luke 4, over, now Jesus in Luke 10, I quoted to you Luke 10, you're going to Luke 4, but Jesus said, I give you power to tread on serpents, that's authority, Greek word's authority, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. All right, all of it is all of it. Well, which part are we talking about here this morning? Notice this is one of the temptations. Look at verse number 5. This is Luke 4, verse 5. The devil taketh him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give unto thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. All this power. And he said, It's delivered unto me. Whomsoever will I will, I give it. <laughs> well, there's a whole lot here. Oh, my, there's a whole lot here. But the point is, the Greek word here translated power is the word for authority. All this authority, talking about authority over all the kingdoms of the world. And you know that's authority over money as well. You know that. You study history, and the money flows toward the kingdoms that were in charge at the time. Amen. All this authority and the glory of them will I, del- will I uh, give unto thee. The glory, is it all right if we take a few minutes on this? I think it would help us a whole lot. The glory, uh, the Greek word for power is the word for authority, and the Greek word for glory is the word doxa, which is translated glory all through the New Testament. But sometimes it's, it's talking about man's glory. Sometimes it's talking about God's glory. And in this case, he's not talking, uh, I'm talking about Satan. Satan's not talking about God's glory. Satan doesn't have God's glory to give. He's talking about the glory of man, the glory that man wants to give. It primarily means the way people, I I did an extensive study on this several months ago, and I didn't realize how important it would be, but here's here's, here's coming out. It means primarily the way people think of you, specifically their favorable opinion, as shifty and uncertain as that may be. It's in a secondary sense, it means men putting you into position of honor in their own thinking. 
therefore deferring to your authority, giving you their recognition, applause, praise, honor, whether it's true or false, splendor, and temporal rewards. So this is not the glory that comes from God. Jesus talks about in John, 1, uh, John 12, 43 and John 5, 44, the glory that comes from God. This is not talking about the, what Adam, I mean, uh, what Satan was offering Jesus was not the glory that comes from God. He's talking about the glory uh, that comes from man. Amen. This is a carnal glory given by unredeemed man to another man. The glory that Satan offered Jesus here is the glory of their favorable opinion and the temporal rewards that they will willingly give to those who they are favorably opinioned of. That's what lures so many people that get started singing in the church into American Idol. See, we hear this and see this all over the, the television all the time. God gave them that to use it for His kingdom, but, but the glory of the world is being offered by the King and the, and the God of this world. And that's what God was, I mean, not God, excuse me. I didn't mean it that way, but Satan was offering to Jesus right here. Man's applause, yay, you're wonderful, you're great. Amen. The word, the word glory is also translated wealth. I could give you three references. But, uh, you know, it's in the Bible. I get, well, there's a fourth one. I wrote a fourth one down. Amen. And it's said to come from God at times and from Satan at times. Glory can come from God and wealth can come from God. But glory and wealth can come from Satan. The devil offers it to people. Sports. I'm not against sports, but you've got to ask yourself the question, what, am, what is my motive here? Amen. I mean, praise God. People take that wrong sometimes. I'm not against sports, but, but we've seen people get away from God because it's all about that to them. Amen. So, remember in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles 29, 10 through 12, David in his prayer talks about glory and wealth that comes from God. He said, all these things that we have came from thee. It's the word glory. So it can come from God. It can come from the enemy. See, it's not a matter of whether you have money or not. It's what power gave it to you. Who are you submitted to to get it? Because Satan here said, you submit to me, I'll give it to you. See, you don't have to submit to him to get him to give it to you. You can exercise authority over him and demand that it come. Amen. Oh, my, there's so much here. So we're not talking about whether it's right or wrong to have money. It's whether it's a matter of which spirits you yield to to get it. Exercising your God-given authority over money is you yielding to the Spirit of God. Deuteronomy 8.18 is He that gives thee power to get wealth. You can yield to the Holy Ghost. And you exercising authority over the money in the name of Jesus is you yielding to the right spirit. And that will cause money to come according to Deuteronomy 8.18. Amen. Now, in the old days, the church always preached against wealth because they didn't recognize how God's Spirit works through man to make him wealthy. They only recognized the carnal way the enemy works to make people wealthy. So they preached against wealth. Well, we're getting more understanding in our day. Hallelujah. Satan was offering Jesus the wow factor that makes, the, the, amen, that evokes man's superficial, excited admiration much like our culture does with movie stars today. 
It's always, it always includes the external rewards and conditions. Wealth, treasure, splendid apparel, and people's favor. They like them. Amen. It's the wealth, the pomp, and the recognition of man. See, it's, there, there's, there's stars in our society. Certain positions of, of, of movie stars and famous singers and the, the more raunchy you are and, and stuff like that, people just funnel money to that. See, Satan's got people in their glory. He's got people bound up by their glory. If they want to really be free, they're going to have to forget about what people think. It'll damn their soul to hell just like it would have damned Jesus to hell here if he would have submitted to Satan. Amen. Good News Translation says, I will give you all this power and all this wealth. That's Luke 4, 6 in the Good News Translation. The devil told him, I'm going to give you all this power and all this wealth. In other words, it was only by submitting. See, it's going to be at a cost, you understand. Actually, he would have taken it from him too. He would have killed him. So, you know, don't ever listen to the devil saying, I'm going to give you something. It'll come at a great cost. It'll damn your soul, take you to hell. Amen. So it has to be, it has all, I mean, Satan said it has all been handed over to me. That's the Good News Translation again. It has all been handed over to me, and I give it to anyone I choose. Now, somebody said, well, he can't really give it to whomever he chooses. Well, then Jesus called it a temptation, and, and, and if, it wasn't, if it wasn't his to give, then it wouldn't have been a temptation, and Jesus would have known it wouldn't have been a temptation. But he said it was and acted like it was, so that's being a partner to a farce or to a lie to say that this was a temptation, but it really wasn't a temptation because the devil couldn't do it anyway. No, the Bible calls it a temptation. Jesus wasn't deceiving us and saying, well, it really wasn't a temptation, but you know. No, it was a temptation because he had it to give. You know, I, you're not tempted to steal a million dollars out of my bank account this morning because it isn't there. Isn't that right? I can't, I don't have it for you to steal in my bank account. I got a heavenly supply. But you know what I'm talking about. So Satan couldn't offer something he didn't have, and Jesus would have known it. Jesus wasn't deceived, you know. Now, listen to this. This is what I want to get to. The New English translation says, rather than it has been delivered to me, what has been delivered to Satan? What has been delivered to Satan? Authority over all the kingdoms of the world and the wealth of it. The wealth that comes with that. The recognition, the prestige, and all the, the money that people will give you in those positions of importance and prestige and you're famous and all of that. Hello? Hello, 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 hello. Anybody home? Bum, 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 bum. Now, Satan said, that's all been delivered to me, and I'll give it to whomever I will. Now, is it true that it was delivered to him? Somebody said, why on earth did God deliver that to him? God didn't deliver it to him. Adam delivered it to him. Remember, Adam had authority over all the world, all the good and all the silver and all the gold. <laughs> Satan delivered it to him. 1 Corinthians 4, 4 calls Satan the God of this world. How did he get to be the God of this world? He got that through Adam. How long is he going to have that? Remember the demons would scream out, Are you come to torment us before the time? Before the time? Before the time? There's a time coming. They all know that they aren't going to be in charge down here anymore. Now, they're not in charge of the church right now because we've received our redemption and we're out from under that authority. But he's still running a lot of people's lives. Through deceiving them, they don't know that Jesus made the way out for them to be free from the devil's authority. 
But the church is already free. When is the whole world going to be free from Satan's authority? Well, he said, don't torment us. Are you coming to torment us before the time? Even the demons know there's a time. Remember, the Bible says he's going to be thrown into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. After that, he'll be let out for a little season. Then it's final. Out of here, dude. That's the time. Hallelujah. Well, he gave him authority. Adam gave Satan authority over all the gold and all the wealth and the kingdoms of the world. He said, it's delivered unto me. Is that true or is that not true? See, if it's not true, then Jesus would have known it wouldn't have been a temptation. He wouldn't have had it to offer, so it wouldn't have been a temptation. But no, it was true. Jesus didn't deny it. He said, get behind me, Satan. It's written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Because here Satan said, fall down and worship me, and I'll give it to you. See, Satan wants worship. And there's a lot of people worshiping at the altar of fame, thinking that it's just fame and money that they're worshiping, but they're actually worshiping Satan. Because they had to submit to the lust of their flesh and the God of this world in order to get it. He will willingly give it to destroy their soul. He'll do that. But I don't have to wait for him to give it. I've been given authority over him to, to command that he loose it. Hallelujah. Now, listen to this. The New English translation says, For it has been relinquished to me. Adam, in other words, relinquished the, the authority over the wealth of the planet when he submitted to Satan and yielded and ate of the fruit. God had said, Don't do that. Satan tempted them to do it. They did it. And that was a relinquishing of their authority. Adam uh, did this. He, God didn't do it. Adam did it. Why did he relinquish his authority over the wealth of the earth? Or who did he relinquish it to? He relinquished it to Satan. Satan said so. God didn't disagree. Jesus didn't disagree with it. Isn't that right? Now, to relinquish means to surrender up, to give up, to let go of release of a, of a place of authority, for example. So there, you've heard of people re, uh, relinquishing their throne or relinquishing their, their uh, status of CEO of a company. They stepped down or something like that. That's what Adam did. He stepped down from his authority over all the wealth of the earth. He gave it up. He did it, he did it willingly, voluntarily. Adam was not deceived. He knew what he was doing. He gave it up. Amen. Now, are you ready to shout a little bit? Listen to this. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, I, gave you, I give you authority over all the authority and power of the enemy. That includes over the money. You out there? You're going home. That includes over the money. I give you authority over all the powers of the enemy. <laughs> See, he seeks to withhold the supply that God gave to you from you. But you must exercise authority over him because God gave it to you. Man, I want to preach on this for a long, 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 long time. Praise God. He gave you authority over the wealth. Amen. He's, Satan seeks to continue to exercise authority over your money. But how do you exercise your authority? You say. You must speak. You must use faith. Isn't that right? Praise God. Jesus gave 
or, or took the authority back. He had, remember, he raised from the dead, and he had the keys of death and of hell. Remember that? The keys mean authority. Satan has no more authority in the ones who have accepted their place in redemption, accepted what Jesus did for them. He has no more authority over anything that pertains to them. And that includes their money. He has no more authority to keep their money from them, to keep what you need to do what God called you to do. And you don't have to bow to the enemy to get it. Amen. Hallelujah. To whomsoever I will, I give it. Right. Yeah, and damn your soul. <laughs> Amen. How many of you know God's way is blessing us and we're not, we're not controlled by it? We have it. It doesn't have us. We obey God. We serve God with it. We're still in church on Sunday. We still, we, you know, we're not, you know. <laughs> we're obeying God. We're doing the will of God with it. Hallelujah. Now, um, Besides, people say sometimes, well, Satan doesn't have the authority to give anybody money. Well, listen to this, Revelation 13, 2. The beast, this beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. There's Satan in the, when, how many of you know this talking about the Antichrist? There's Satan. You look up at the word dragon in the context of Satan himself. Satan gives this Antichrist the authority over the kingdoms of the world at the time. Hello, Satan gave it to him. That would include control over the wealth. Y'all thinking with me? Amen. So we recognize that that is so. Isn't that right? Now Jesus gave us authority over all the authority of the enemy. Really, when he raised from the dead, he said, All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. That's like what Jesus really did right there is he deputized the church. We're deputies. We're carrying out the authority of the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, like a deputy here in the, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, whatever, police force here in Cedar Rapids. He carries out the authority behind him, the state's authority, to exercise dominion over certain people who break laws. A deputy can do that. Isn't that right? Sheriff, deputy, or whoever, you know, different kind of terms for these things nowadays. But Jesus basically deputized the church. He put the badge on, told you to raise your hand, say, whatever I say will come to pass. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's good preaching whether you know it or not. So really what God, and there's a whole lot more to that, tremendous amount of revelation there that we could take a lot of time with. But here's my point. You now have that authority. It's your responsibility to learn how to exercise that authority. Hallelujah. Now, one of the keys to working with Jehovah Jireh is to exercise authority over the money that belongs to you. God gave you the supply, but just like Moses was given the supply of a, a sandbar across the Red Sea to walk on, he still had to lift up that rod and say, command the water to part. Isn't that right? So it's the same with Adam in the garden. He had to command. That's why he gave everything names. He gave names so he could call it. Call it to Him. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we've got to recognize the dominion we have because the enemy will recognize it if we'll exercise it. And complaining and mumbling and say we never have enough or a, dollar late, or a day late and a dollar short all the time, that's not exercising your authority. Amen. So recognize that all is ours. Then recognize you have authority and then learn to exercise that authority. Now what we must realize is this when it comes to this authority. 
is that God created the world, gave Adam dominion over it. Uh, and sometimes, and then, and then man fell, lost that authority, and then Jesus gave it back to us in redemption. See, if you're waiting on God to do something, you don't understand your redemption. He gave you the authority. But um, what we must recognize is, many times when it comes to finances, I've seen this, you've seen this, there just seems to be something tries to hinder it. Isn't that right? The reason is because in Luke, remember Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, 39, down through there, He said, uh, give and it will be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Now He gives us a little clue here. Shall men give into your bosom? Men will give into your bosom. In other words, the money that you need is not going to come out of heaven. It's going to come through the hands of men. <clears throat> Anytime man gets involved, there's an opportunity for something to be hindered if man doesn't respond to God. Isn't that right? So what our responsibility is then is to continue to exercise authority not over man because we don't have any authority over other people's wills. God Himself will not violate somebody else's will. We don't have the authority over other people's wills. That's not the authority we have. We have authority over the influence of the enemy to, that tr seeks to hinder them from obeying God. But they still might not obey God right away because they're a free will agent. Isn't that right? The point is, God is obligated by His own Word to make sure that your need is met. So if one person won't respond to God, He'll find somebody else. That might seek to, that Satan is seeking to delay it, but God is obligated, and if you'll stay with it, it'll eventually come. But here's the point. Don't accuse God of being hard to receive from, or don't accuse the supply as being slow. It's not the supply that is the problem. It's not God that is the problem. It's the enemy that's seeking to hinder these things that is the problem. Now, you remember in, what is it, 1 Thessalonians, and I don't know if I got it right in front of me, but it's somewhere, uh, 2.18, I believe, where it talks about God, I mean, P uh, Paul, he was uh, being hindered. Remember, he said, I sought to come earlier, but Satan hindered us. Notice he didn't say Satan stopped us. There's a difference between Satan stopping it and Satan hindering something. He can put roadblocks up on it, and he can put speed bumps in front of it, slows it down, but he cannot keep it from coming. In fact, one translation, remember Jesus said, I give you in John, I mean in Luke 10 there, well, uh, He said, I give you authority over uh, serpents and scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. One translation says, nothing shall by any means stop you. I believe it's the Norley translation. I've lost all my notes here, and I'm, I'm preaching out of my heart right now. It, nothing can stop you. That includes whenever you call for something you need, nothing can stop it from coming. He'll seek to hinder, but he can't stop it. You and I have got to recognize that and stick with our faith and not accuse God of being unfaithful. Amen. Satan seeks to hinder the flow, but if we'll exercise authority, it'll keep flowing our direction. Hallelujah. So don't accuse God, though, of, it being, of him being slow. He's got to work through men. How many of you found out the more people's wills are involved, the slower things tend to go? I had a, heard a pastor tell a story one time. He said he, he first started pastoring. He was young and didn't understand people's natures. He said he, put it, he had committees for everything in the church. He even had a committee to choose who's going, what color flowers were going to be on the platform. He said it took so long to get anything done in his church, he finally fired all the committees. 
They couldn't even get platform flowers up on time for Easter. The more people you have involved, the longer it usually takes. I mean, there's some things you don't need a committee for. Just pick some flowers and put them up there, you know. I just... <laughs> Amen. So the more, more wills are involved, the longer things come. But here's the thing. Do not accuse God of the one that is hindering your supply. The supply is free-flowing. Listen to some of these verses. You remember it says in 1 Thessalonians um, 2.18, Satan hindered us. It is Satan who hinders, not God. Say that out loud. It's not God hindering anything coming to me. No, the supply is free-flowing. Tell your neighbor the supply is free-flowing. Now, listen to this. Remember the Bible says in James 1.5, uh, he, uh, he gives us liberally and upbraideth not. He gives to all men liberally. Yeah. Write that down, James 1.5. Uh, he gives liberally. You need to understand this about your flow, about the supply. This, that's the flow of supply. It's a liberal flow. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a liberal flow. So James 1, 5, He uh, giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. That's the, that's the flow of your supply. Then we have Romans 8, 32. He says, God spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him freely give us all things? So it's a free-flowing supply. It's liberal. It's free-flowing. Then we have 1 Timothy. That was Romans 8, 32. Then we have 1 Timothy 6, 17. He said, God giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That's God's supply flow right there. He's not withholding anything good. Remember the Bible said, no good thing will I withhold from them that walk uprightly. Woo, that includes rent when you need rent paid. It is Satan that seeks to hinder. The supply is free-flowing. It's already been purchased. Jesus paid for it all. It already belongs to you. It already has your name on it. Redemption is yours. You're back in authority. Well, what's hindering it? It's not the, it's not the supply that's slow. And it's, not, it's not God that is slow. There's, there's Satan, the God of this world, who seeks to hinder it. Amen. You're going to have to line up your thinking with the Word of God rather than your thinking is that God makes everything so hard. Satan is the one that makes things hard. And a lot of times the reason it's hard is because it's, there's a lot of hardness between our ears. Our thinking thinks God is not faithful, God is not good, that God's doing all this. There's nobody going to stand at the throne of God when we get there and say, you didn't do what you told, you said you'd supply all my needs. There's nobody going to be able to do that. He is faithful. Amen. But it's our thinking that limits these things. Amen. He seeks, Satan seeks to hinder the progress of movement, but he cannot stop it according to the Word of God. He cannot stop it if you'll stay in faith. See, Satan wants you to get out of faith and give up and say, well, God's not faithful and all that. That's what he wanted you to do right there because it's faith that keeps it moving your way. Just because the enemy seeks to hinder it or slow it down doesn't, from reaching your life doesn't mean the supply is, is slow. That's just the enemy slowing it down. Hallelujah. Know this. The supply is easy. Say it out loud. The supply is easy. Number two, it's abundant. See, freely, richly, liberally. 
without abrading. That's all free and, and abundant. That's what all those words mean. Free and abundant. Isn't that right? But it just requires your faith, the fuel of your faith to keep it moving your direction. Can you see that? Now, the Bible tells us in Romans 4, 17, that faith calls those things that be not as though they are. One translation says, calls into existence things that don't exist. So if it's not in your hand, then you need to call it. Call it into your hands. <laughs> Hallelujah. The supply is easy. It just waits on your call. Many are waiting for God. They're thinking God's going to do something one of these days. He's already done something. He's already provided all your needs. It's just simply waiting on your call. That's your job. Your, your job is to call, not to calculate and figure out and try to rationalize well, and, and start a new doctrine. Well, it's hard and it's slow because, you know, you never can tell what God's going to do. Your, your job is not to create doctrines. Your job is just to keep exercising faith. Woo! Glory be to God. I did it. I preached myself happy this morning. Praise God forevermore. So turn to your neighbor and say, it's waiting on your call. Well, I did that yesterday. I did that and hadn't shown up yet. Well, you really hung in there, didn't you? <laughs> Stick with it. You need to outlast the doubt and fear and unbelief and all the stuff. Amen. So exercise authority over your money. Can you see that? Now, like I began to say, there's some other things I want to get into. Uh, it's because sometimes people are not yielded to the Spirit that things get slowed down. But just stay in the Spirit. Don't join the flesh with them. Just stay in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Some people are as hard-headed as a Missouri mule. The willing and obedient, they'll eat the good of the land. Not the stubborn, slow, unwilling, disobedient, I'll do it next year, people. Pastor Debbie and I have gotten to the place. Where, oh, the Lord said do it. Here, do it right now, right now. Do it right now. Do it right now. Give it to them right now. Give it to them right now. Amen. Praise the Lord. So don't ever pray particularly like you've been praying, I'll put it that way, about money again. Recognize God's not going to do anything from heaven. He's already given everything. When I say pray, it's not, there's times you can pray and seek God about direction. What am I supposed to do here? But I'm, not, I'm, I'm talking about praying like people have been praying. Oh, God, send me down here what I need. He's not going to do it. He's not a counterfeiter. The Fed's doing a good job of printing bills. We don't need... <laughs> It's getting pretty bad. So don't like you've been praying, don't pray about money anymore. What you need's down here. Amen. Exercise your authority over it. Can you see God put everything here on the earth and then he gave it to man, according to Psalm 115. Isn't that right? But Satan, uh, God made it for his man, but Satan seeks to hinder it from coming. Remember, God gave Adam dominion, but Satan uh, usurped it and got it away from Adam. But that's what redemption is all about. It was to get that back to us. When Adam sold out, Satan began to control the wealth of this earth. And he still seeks to do that today even though we're redeemed. But see, when people don't know it. See, and if you're in the dark about this, he'll exercise authority over your money just as much as you're, if you didn't even have the authority over it. Redemption gave your authority back. But if you're redeemed and don't know you're redeemed, don't know you have authority, don't know you can say a thing and it'll come to pass. 
People fuss with that, but you know almost every chapter of the Bible talks about what you say just over and over and over again. It's all through the Word of God. Don't fight your answer. Amen. He put it all here for you to have, to enjoy, to luxuriate in. He didn't want you broke and scraping at the bottom of the barrel, barely getting past. That's not his best. Adam sold out. Satan got the dominion. Now Jesus got the dominion back. And what we need to do now is get light of who we are and the dominion we have. Amen. Without exercising your dominion, Satan will move in. He's just an opportunist. He'll move in and control the wealth that belongs to you. But we're redeemed. Hallelujah. And so we're to speak and say, Satan, you take your hands off the money that belongs to me. And be specific. If you need X number of dollars per year or per month, however you want to do it, you be specific with that amount. And then as you get in that flow, then you can start increasing and your faith will develop and you'll, be, you'll, get, you'll get not just what you need, you'll get out ahead of yourself. See, I'm talking about how to flow with God in the, as Jehovah Jireh in taking care of you. Praise God. So he'll attempt to hinder, but he cannot stop it. Boy, that's good news this morning. Notice that when it comes, it comes through the hands of men. Like Jesus said, men will give in to your bosom. So finances come through business deals uh, and through people down here on this earth. And not everybody's just willing to obey God just today. So there's, there's going to have to be a perseverance in faith. And maybe you need to go somewhere else. You just have to be led, you know. Praise God. But stick with it. That's the point I want to get across this morning. Stick with it. Now, another truth that we're going to uh, briefly share on here this morning is a key to working with Jehovah Jireh. The first one was, uh, you know, exercise your authority over your money. Say to Satan, take your hands off. Of course, then you know, talk, you know about the angels. Commission them to go and bring it in. Claim what you need. Tell Satan to take his hand off of it. Then commission the angels because the Bible said their ministering spirits sent forth the minister for us. Now, I could prove that. Sometimes people say, well, I don't necessarily agree with all that. I could prove that from the Word all through the Bible. The Lord showed the whole truth to me in the Bible. It's just wonderful. Now, the second thing, and these are not necessarily in any particular order, but uh, is find the, the path of your calling and walk in it. Ephesians 2.10, remember the Amplified says, taking paths which he's prearranged and made ready, living the good life. So the, all the provision is on that path that, that, that God ordained for your life. Now let me just say this real quickly because we don't have time um, uh, to take a lot of time on all these. But the, this one has to be in place, and if this one's in place, all the other ones will work much better. All the other keys to working with God and taking care of you will work much better if you're in the place God ordained for you to be. Walk in the plan of God for your life. Amen. He needs man's cooperation for this. And if man is disobedient, remember the willing and the obedient, they'll eat the good of the land. So being obedient, being in the plan of God for your life. Well, I don't know what that plan is. Well, start praying then, seeking God, asking the Lord, what is your plan for me? He didn't, you weren't a surprise. He has a plan for you. We could take a lot of time and maybe should with that, but we don't have the time. Now, the, the third one, we said exercise authority, get in the plan of God for your life. The third one is, um, is uh, learn to be led by the Spirit. Learn to be led by the Spirit. Isaiah 48, 17 says, I am the Lord thy Redeemer that teaches thee the prophet, leads thee in the way that you should go. Then verse 21 says, they thirsted not when he led them. 
So following the leadings of the Holy Spirit is a great big key. Romans 8.16 says, His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, verse 17 says. So the Holy Spirit bears witness that we're children, but it also, the Holy Spirit also bears witness that where our inheritance is. He'll guide you. That's His ministry, to guide you into all truth. By guiding you into the truth, He'll guide you into where the money is for you. Amen. That's the Spirit's ministry. You'll look like an orphan if you're not led by the Spirit because Jesus said, I send you another comforter so you're not orphans. Your life's going to look like there's nobody taking care of you if you're not led. Amen. So he'll teach you all things and guide you into where your inheritance is. Yes. Psalm 77, 19 through 20. He led them. Well, like we talked about, Israel led up to the Red Sea. He led them right into supply. Yes. Woo. God knows where it is. Yes. He knows where the accounts are. If you're, a, if you're a salesman, he knows where the accounts are. He knows where good paying customers are. Yes. Praise the Lord. Oh, my, there's so much here we could say. Praise the Lord. It's, it's just wonderful to follow the Spirit. Jesus told Brother Hagin in one of the visions, if you follow my Spirit, I'll make you rich. Then he said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. That's the problem, not wealth. Amen. See, covetousness is a heart condition. Rich is a bank account condition. The heart is what he's making sure is right. Amen. So we, God will show you where the right place is for you and where you can receive. It's a whole lot easier when you're in that place. Now, this is a, a, a teaching of the Spirit, not the mind. God wants to... You remember John, 1 John 2, 27? You have the anointing that you received abides in you. You don't need any man to teach you. He'll teach you all things. And it's truth and there's no lie. The anointing teaches you of all. This is a, a teaching by the anointing, not a teaching by the, the university. Right. Now, the anointing might lead you to go get an education at the university. Right. But that education is not going get to get you through the hard places right. when you don't know what to do. You're going to have to look to the anointing. Amen. You understand the way I say that? It's not that I'm saying don't get an education at the university. It's just don't do that at the expense of your heart. Amen. Let the Spirit educate your spirit. Amen into how to, how, to, how to function for you, how to function for wealth. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Now, go back to the book of Psalms real quickly. Psalm 23. Well, let's skip Psalms because you know it. I'll just quote it to you. Go to Jeremiah 3. Praise the Lord. Still here? We're almost done. I'll quote Psalm. You're going to uh, Jeremiah 3. Also find Jeremiah 30, uh, excuse me, uh, Jeremiah 23. Find Psalms. Or no, don't find Psalm. Find Jeremiah 3 and then Jeremiah 23. These are two verses I want to, the Lord definitely spoke to me about. I need to include this here. But I'm going to quote to you Psalm 23, 1. Remember that? It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still water. So there's that leading again. The shepherd leading you. If you're led, you'll have green pastures. Now, I don't mean you won't go through tests and trials if you're led. But uh, you'll, you'll get to green pastures and you'll get through those tests and trials. It won't be a 30-year thing or a 20-year or 10-year thing. It'll be just going through it to get to the green pasture. Amen. Now, notice back here in Psalm, I mean in Jeremiah 3, notice verse 15. I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. That's the pastoral ministry, to feed feed you with knowledge and understanding. All right, come over to the 23rd chapter, the fourth verse of Jeremiah 23. 
It says, I will set up shepherds over, you, over them, which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more. This is the result of having a pastor. They shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Ooh, no lack. No lack. Why? Because you're in the right place. God's place for the, for the sheep is a local church. He wants us to be in a place where we're being fed with knowledge and understanding. See, what I'm teaching this morning is building your faith. You're getting knowledge. You're getting understanding of how to function in, in this area this morning, in finances. But he said, as a result of having a pastor and being properly submitted, uh, that the Spirit will lead us into where we have no lack. Why is the pastor going to uh, be able to help you do that? Because he's going to teach you the Word, which will build your faith which will get rid of the devil problem. <laughs> you know, exercising him, him keeping the money from you. That's good preaching whether you know it or not. They'll teach you the Word. They'll teach you the principles of the Word. Then they'll also teach you, First, first Kings, go to First Kings 17 here. Like I said, we could take a whole lot more time. But First uh, Kings 17 is a story the Lord gave me a number of months ago. Pastor Nancy preached on it and exploded on the inside of me. Oh, this means so much to me now. 1 Kings 17. Here was the man Elijah being fed at the brook Cherith in verse 2. God sent him down there. Remember then the ravens were bringing food. But then the brook dried up. God spoke to him and said, Go down to Zarephath. There's, I commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. That's verse number 8 9. He said, I have commanded a widow woman there, there, there to sustain thee. He was led to go there. See, there's a place called there for you. It's where everything is met. All your need is met, and the supernatural will kick in there. It won't kick in where you want to be. It kicks in there. Now, here's what happened to this case. He went down there. Now, you would think, okay, it's a famine. I need some food. Uh, you would think God's sending me to a rich person's house. But he didn't. He sent him to a widow woman's house. And God said to Elijah, I have, is have present tense, past tense, or future tense? Past tense. I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he had already spoken to this woman. Isn't that right? According to the way it said, is it? So he gets down and he rose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate, you remember she's gathering sticks. Remember, I'll just kind of paraphrase here for time's sake. She's gathering sticks. He said, fetch me some water. And she's going to do that. And then he said, fetch me a little cake of meal too. Yeah. Well, um, I don't have, but, you know, I'm out here gathering sticks. I'm making a fire. We're going to bake a cake. Me and my son are going to eat. It's the last one we have. And uh, we won't, we won't, we'll just have, after that we're going to die because that's all we have. He said, fear not. Remember that? Verse 13, fear not, go and do as thou hast said. Make me therefore a little cake first. Wouldn't that look good on the headlines of CNN? Preacher takes food out of baby's mouth. Starving baby's mouth and widow woman's mouth. Bring it unto me and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel. In other words, the Holy Ghost is saying something here. The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail. Well, this woman went and did it. And remember the Bible said, according to verse number 15, uh, she and Elijah and her son did eat many days. The barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the crucible fail, according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah, or he spake by Elijah. So Elijah's just speaking for God. Hallelujah. So what we see here is, we see 
something happening. This woman needed a miracle as much as Elijah needed a miracle. Isn't that right? Notice God sent her someone to help get her into her miracle. That's another reason God sends us to, to, to pastors to help get us into our miracle. Why? Because really they're going to help us identify how God is leading us already in our heart. A minister is not called to direct the people, tell them to do this, tell them to do that. He's called to help them recognize what the Spirit has already said to them. That's what Elijah did here. God spoke to him about what he had already put in her heart. By revelation knowledge, he found out what had already been put in her heart. He spoke it to her because whenever, she got, whenever he got there, she didn't seem to have heard God. But God said, I have spoken to her. How many have ever been sitting in a service whenever you were, you were sitting under the Word and all of a sudden, oh, I remember what God said to me. I let that slip. See, that's the Holy Ghost. Helping you identify how the Lord was trying to lead you into your miracle. Y'all there? So he's helping lead her into her miracle. That's what God sends ministers to help us do. They help us not to tell us what to do. Of course, they tell us the Word, and the Word tells us what to do. But I'm talking about when it comes to these specific directions. You need to give this. You need to give that. You know, those kinds of things. But God will put things in our heart, and sometimes we don't listen to what God's putting in our heart. So he'll speak to somebody else about what God's told us to do. And then we say, oh, oh, yeah, I remember the Lord told me to do that. Amen. It's not the preacher telling somebody what to do. It's the preacher helping somebody identify what God already told them to do. I mean, there, there are errors here. People get off and telling people what to do. That's not right. You, you, you there? You're going home. So this minister helped her identify what the Spirit had already told her to do because she got there. He got there. She didn't seem to have heard from God. But God said, I tried to talk to her. She, apparently, she wasn't listening. Amen. Praise God. So by listening, she got over into her miracle. So the, 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 uh, the local church, through the word being preached, will help you identify the leadings of the Spirit and respond to the Spirit rather than, remember, remember the Bible talks about the light, the candle of the Lord. He lights our candle and then don't put the bushel basket over it. That's what we do sometimes. The Spirit of God illuminates us, shows us what He wants us to do. And then we go, well, but you know, I know rent's due in a couple of weeks, and I know, and I know, and I know, and we rationalize it and get, you know, that's where the problem is. We're not being led by the Spirit. We're being led by our head. Boy, we've got to learn to stop doing that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can you see what we're talking about? So that's the third one. I'll give the next two real quickly, and we'll just close. Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit and speaking words of faith ahead of you will be a key. Because the Bible says we speak mysteries when we pray in the Spirit. One of the mysteries is our future. But you can pray out your future, which is a mystery, by praying in other tongues. That's why that's so valuable. People say, I can be a good Christian without it. Well, you, you can't do this without it. <laughs> There's a lot of things you can't do without being baptized in the Holy Ghost. So that's one thing. And then speaking faith words out ahead of you. Get your faith out ahead of you. Declare ahead how it's going to be for you. Faith declares things before it even comes to pass. Faith doesn't wait for it to come to pass in order to say it happened. Faith says, this is where it's going to turn out. When the dust all settles, this is how it's going to be. Well, I don't know about that. I just wait and see how it's going to turn out. Well, you won't ever have it the way God wants, it to have, wants you to have it. Jairus spoke his future. He said, you lay your hands on her, she'll be healed. 
He spoke it before it came to pass. The woman with the issue of blood said, I touched him, I'll be healed. She spoke it before it came to pass. Daniel said to, I mean, uh, David said to Goliath, I'm going to take your head from you this day. He spoke it before it came to pass. You've got to get your words ahead of you. Blind Bartimaeus, basically by throwing away his garment, when Jesus said, come, he threw away his garment, and he got up and basically was said, I'm telling you right now, I'm healed before it even comes to pass. That's the way faith does things. It declares things before it comes to pass. Declares the end from the beginning. I'm telling you right now how it's going to work out for me. It doesn't, it doesn't follow God's power, let God's power go first and do it. It gets ahead of the power and declares how it's going to be. And that's number four. We don't have any more time for that. But number five, another way to work with Jehovah Jireh and securing your future financially is by sowing the right seeds. How many of you know if you have a need today, today's not the day. It's too late today to sow a seed. I'd like to be harvesting fields full of corn today. I mean, out this fall, but I'm not going to be doing it because I didn't sow any seed. They're soon going to be in the field harvesting the corn, harvesting the beans. How many of you would love to have all that money coming in from all those corn and beans coming in? Why, why aren't you or I, maybe, maybe Brother Chester back here is going to get some, but you know, why aren't any of us going to get any of the money off of that corn? We didn't sow any seed. Well, I want some this fall, though. Let's go out this afternoon and sow it. Too late. You're going to have to get further out ahead of yourself because if you want to harvest, seed takes time to multiply and come back. It does it in the natural and it does it in the spirit. It takes time. Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 talks about the children of Israel casting their bread on the water and it came back after many days. What that was is when they were in the wilderness, they followed the Jordan River, and when they had uh, seed, they would throw it on the water. The water would carry it down there at flood stage and deposit it. Whenever the waters receded, the seed fell into the fertile soil along the bank, and whenever it started to grow, it took them time to get there because the water's moving faster than them, and they'd get there eventually, and the crops were already growing and ready to harvest. But there's, what he's saying is, sow seed, and it'll prepare your future for you financially. Hallelujah. Follow the Spirit in these times when He leads you to give. And you don't understand, well, it's just hard to give right now. I don't seem to have enough. It seems like He doesn't deal with me unless I do have a need. Well, da-da. <laughs> You're going to need some harvest, so it's time to sow. Follow. Learn to trust Jehovah Jireh. When you get these specific leadings to do things and you don't know why, you'd rather not do it right now. Follow Him. Trust Jehovah Jireh. He sees something ahead in order to provide a need. He wants you to sow a seed. Can you see that? So trust Him. Of course, just do it as a lifestyle. I just, I just practice sowing seed all the time. It'll work by faith and it'll work by the supernatural leadings of the Spirit. We just practice it all the time. It's a monthly thing with us. Almost weekly, we're constantly doing things. But then there are specific times He says, I want you to do this, I want you to give it here, and I want you to do this amount. I didn't initiate that because remember the Bible says every man according as he purposeth in his heart. Generally, we're supposed to live that way. Just as we purpose, we give. But then there are times where we didn't initiate it. The Holy Ghost initiates something. He speaks to us. That's what the Holy Ghost is trying to do with us, our land. He's trying to tell us there's some things in 2012 we're going to need some miracles on in our personal lives. He said, put this first. I didn't come up with that. The Spirit came up with that. So we're doing that. Watch out, 2012. Come on now. He's just setting us up. We're going to have supernatural supply in 2012. So trust the Spirit in these specific leadings. Amen. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, He that regardeth the clouds shall not sow. He that observeth the rain shall not reap. 
or something to that nature. Pretty close to that, you know. Well, in other words, we keep looking at the wrong things. We're never going to get a harvest because we're never going to sow any seed. If it's cloudy, it looks like it might rain. So, ooh, I better not do anything. He's talking about always looking at circumstances rather than looking at get the seed in the ground. Get the seed in the ground. There are people that won't obey God, bless their darling hearts, and they keep going being kicked from pillar to post because they never obey the sowing of the seed. They'd like to have a harvest, like I'd like to be reaping some beans and corn this fall, but I'm not going to get any and they're not going to get any because we didn't sow. See, we've got to learn to get out ahead of ourselves by sowing seed. Just, just practice it as a lifestyle. Praise God. Did you get anything out of the Word this morning? Like each of, those could, each, each of those topics, we could take two services on them. But those are the, the ones with the two are on my heart the strongest were the authority of the believer and being led by the Spirit. It's wonderful. It pays to be led by the Holy Ghost. The mind will keep you out of the best God has for you. How many of you found that out? He knows where supply is. He knows where the riches are. He knows where the, the uh, needs are in the economy of a city. I didn't know we were, we were, the daycare was going to grow like it did, but the Lord said, start it now. <laughs> we hit the market perfectly, unbeknownst to us. We hit the market perfectly. Basically, right now, we're at our limit. <laughs> Pretty close. Hallelujah. What are we going to do now? Be led. I don't, I don't, I'm not here to say. We're going to be, be led. Let's stand to our feet. Did you get anything out of the Word this morning? If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church Post Office Box 8355 Cedar Rapids, Iowa 52408 And remember, God loves you and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.